0: Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway, welcome to A Dash of Drush. weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. I am here in London sitting with my friend, mentor, Rabbi, teacher, Rabbi Jonathan Wittenberg who recorded a podcast with me last year and I'm so delighted to be back here with him, with you Jonathan. Um, it seems like there's a lot of my closest and best people in my world are called Jonathan Last week I did a podcast with Jonathan Glazer And this week it's Jonathan Wittenberg And we're, we're going to reflect on A really important issue in our world right now Through the lens of this Pasha, this week we have a double pasha, Matot and Maasai, and Masai is really all about these journeys, these forty-two journeys that are that are named as the sort of continuing journey of Bene Israel of the Israelites, and it really seems like the experience in some ways of a, a displaced people, a refugee people who are looking for a new for a new homeland. And so we're in that context looking at, at the fact that there are sixty five million or so refugees and displaced people in this world right now with issues of immigration in the in the US and uh, phenomenal and uncontrollable proportions of refugees coming into Europe. And Jonathan is someone who's been extremely, extremely involved and active in this issue that must, must, must concern us all. And so it's lovely to see you, Jonathan, really, really lovely to see you. And thank you for everything you do. And I well, want to start by just asking you to to reflect a little bit what motivates you so strongly to be involved in this particular issues of, of of refugees and how you see it reflecting on this on this parasha at the as we come to the end of the book of numbers
1: just first of all i i I it's me who appreciate you and the, what you've done the moral minion you talked about that you created um your activism in areas that we both share a passion about. I really appreciate it and have huge respect for it and regard you as my teacher also and equally. Two things from my family go through my mind immediately. One is, and it's in a drawer right next to where we are sitting, my grandfather's passport. He was a rabbi in Frankfurt in Germany from 1910 till 1939 when he was eventually able to flee. And that passport contains the stamp from the British consulate which saved his life and the lives of 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 my family and had had that not been obtained had somebody not had the generosity to vouch for them and support them that would have been that would have been it that that's the first thing and the second is that when they came to London soon before the war and they had to live outside the city which was being bombed in the Blitz. They were given shelter by a Christian family. And when they came to leave, I think they were with that family for many months and very well looked after and, and respected and appreciated. My mother, who was 16 or maybe 17, 18 at the time, said to the lady who'd hosted them, how can we thank you? And this woman said, you don't thank us. One day in your life, you'll be in a position to do likewise to others who are refugees. And I know that for my mother, that's been extremely important. She's helped people, enabled them to develop skills and to move on professionally. And also when I and my wife, Nikki, we heard about the organization here, Refugees at Home, and that one could host a refugee for days or weeks in one's house, this family memory went through my mind. So that that, that that's sort of something which, our family have been refugees, not, not me personally, and I think that's in the Jewish past, it's in our history, it's, it, it's in the Torah, we, we know the soul of the stranger, and there's this extraordinary past commentary on that by Samson Raphael Hirsch, that if you make shelter and human rights dependent on anything other than the sheer humanity of the other person if you place conditions and qualifications in the way you open the gates to all the the inhumanity that was our slavery in Egypt so that's i think the starting place which which and, and
0: just to commit us clarify with the refugees at home program you and your family hosted two
1: different uh, refugees for some months, correct? We've we've hosted four people, some for a very short time. We've done nothing much. One for a few days. And just what was so striking and is... These were single people or This families? was a single man who didn't speak much English, so we smiled at each other. But I was aware I went to Israel for three days while he was here. And I took more things for those three days than he had in the world. And then a lady from Ethiopia for three weeks who was a wonderful wonderful courageous woman and she'd been here 12 years and she'd just been rejected for housing and she came down one one morning and said rejected not wanted it tries one's spirit but she's a deep Christian faith and she said I draw my strength from this faith and from the faith in the people who help me and then our most successful we had a young man here for five six months from Iran who thank goodness got permission to remain and as I think today is his first day in employment in this country, he's making his path and then uh, a man who's here on his own with his family stuck, stuck where he can't enable them to join him and that sense of loneliness, of longing for his wife and daughters, it's unthinkable, it's really unthinkable. So this week's portion one of the things that really strikes me is that the 42 journeys, which Rabbi Mark you mentioned, they're described as journeys following God's presence. God's presence went before the people, and where God's presence stopped, there the cloud of glory rested, and there the people rested, and that cloud protected them until it moved on, and then they moved on. But the protection of the cloud of god's glory is hardly the experience of the refugees coming from desperate poverty or fear in in south america or fleeing for their lives from syria or afghanistan or or civil strife and 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 uh and uh militias in africa that who's protecting them where where's god's presence and the only the only answer i can think about that is it one part of me tells it's it's just not there at all the other says god's presence is there but you know in those people who try to help that that's our obligation to represent that presence through our humanity
0: and uh, tragically we're seeing many places in the world with an absolute absence of that humanity where very cruel policies have have closed doors and have, um, have separated families and have um just made it a, a very very grim reality even even more unbearable in a way and so you i mean you say you 've done little, but i think the the actual taking people into your home is is not little it's 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 massive it's huge many of us won't for various reasons be in a position to do that but sometimes we it feels with all of these issues. Uh, so po so powerless i mean yes i i i think that reading of the of the midrash is so important there is no cloud of glory that is accompanying these people and giving them a sense of strength and safety and so we have to be that but it's confounding to know how i mean yes we can let people know that we care i mean you alluded to the the moral minyan that um some of us Participated in 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 Colorado. Remind
1: we, me about the sh- the the t-shirts, you, the slogans, in the t-shirts you you told me by Remind
0: me. Well, we didn't have t-shirts, but we we. I mean, one of the things that we said again and again was we care, we care, because there was s- some very strange suggestions in the media about people not caring, and in 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 uh, Spanish and in in uh, English, nos nos, caram, nos caramos. I think I'm apologise if that's not the correct Spanish. And we chanted again and again in Spanish and English. We care, and just we were standing a group of t- between one and two hundred of us, mainly Jews, but but also people from other faith traditions. And we were davening minchel, praying the afternoon service, and blowing shofar. And and a lot of people spoke, some of whom with similar experiences to yours, with German, you know people whose parents had been German refugees. And we were outside an ICE detention center, which is the. Uh, immigration um, detention center uh, as part of the US administration and we know that some of the the parents who had been separated from their children were were in there and so we wanted to just give a message that we we, we care we feel motivated and it felt like a, a sp- sort of spiritual activism we use some of the language of Abraham Joshua Heschel who said talked about mar- moral grandeur and spiritual audacity um, and talked about moral emergency, and it, it feels like we're in a moral emergency. And so, trying to understand how we can, how we can stand up, how we can make our vo- voices heard, but also how we can can change things. And I, it's it's very, it's bewildering, and it's upsetting. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I i mean what how what how do you perceive the situation in in the u k and maybe in Europe in general and what what is there is there hope about the future for these people or is it, is it as desperate as it appears to be
1: I think for many it's for many it's really really desperate um We also need to remember that the, the vast majority of refugees don't reach Europe or America. they're in countries who are far less equipped and far poorer than those we live in. To look after them in Lebanon, in Jordan, from Syria, for you know, for example, uh, there isn't nothing we can do. Uh, first of all, we can stand with in solidarity with those organisations who do their best to helping. There's funding issues for all of them, and then there's contradicting languages of racism which are quite blatant. They're kind of flowering, if I can use that word, in our world. They've they've somehow got new vigour in the last few years because of the governments that have been elected. In this country, there's this question of creating a hostile environment, which means that people are often not believed in what they say. We We are required to stand up for our shared humanity. I also conscious that as Jews what happens in Israel represents us all and there we have colleagues who are doing their utmost to and I think they'll be successful in preventing the deportation of refugees from the Sudan and Eritrea and there there are not more refugees coming in so it's a a specific number, it's about 38,000 people and the country has a need for labour so we can help those who are standing with the refugees and asylum seekers in Israel and seeing that represents the image of Judaism across the world, I think it's really essential that we, that, that we do that.
0: Is it appropriate to talk about some of the organisations who are working specifically in that area? Well,
1: two colleagues of ours, Rabbi Levi Lauer, who created Atsum, which campaigns against trafficking, has been at the forefront of providing the basic daily needs of refugees i rabbi Lauer spoke at my home just recently and said that over two thousand israelis have said we will take people into our homes and the kibbutzim have said we'll take as many as possible and across the across the spectrum you know from right to left you have people really standing up which is which is encouraging there's a kind of moral real moral strength to this and rabbi Tamara Elad Applebaum in Jerusalem is working cross-communally also to support refugees and give them training. Somewhere there is, I think,
0: an issue
1: about through her through her community through Tzion through Tzion through Tzion. But beyond, I think it's she's working she's working cross-communally. I I don't have more detail than that. Mm -hmm. Um, with a real consensus, um, behind her work. Somewhere there is a question about. You know, for Europe, certainly, how many refugees can different countries take? And what, what would also be politically important is to think, well, what capacity of different countries got, and how can we share fairly across the globe the, the absorption and inclusion and giving a future to refugees fleeing terrible wars and environmental degradation, which is a very significant part of it.
0: I'm wondering, Rabbi Jonathan. In addition to your own family history, and by the way, Jonathan has written an absolutely incredible book called *My Dear Ones*, um, which was based on letters that he found uh, to and from German family, and it's an incredible account of, of one family and how they're affected by by uh, the Holocaust, and and so much in that story is. Resonant with the, the the contemporary situations that people find themselves in, but apart from your own family history and from what you already shared about this idea that we have to be, we have to be the the um, shelter and the and the hope for people, and the Torah's mandate uh, of of you know v'ahafda etagere of love loving the stranger because we know the soul of the stranger. Are, are there any other? parts of 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 jewish tradition of 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 just the the basic sense of, of being jewish that compels you and compels all of us to to care as much as we have to care right now yes
1: there's there's this extraordinary verb in the torah it's not actually used in the context of refugees particularly it's in fact it's employed for seeing a stray animal collapsing under its burden where the Torah says it's a reflexive verb you can't hide yourself away you shouldn't pretend that you didn't notice it's this requirement that we look at what's actually happening in our world and then become involved and that verb gets prime time on Yom Kippur morning which is not so far away now, in the Haftarah from Isaiah, when Isaiah says, what kind of fast does God really want? If you see the hungry, feed them. If you see the naked, clothe them, bring the oppressed into your home. alam. <inaudible> don't hide from your own flesh. And there's something about this sense. You, you look at your own mortality and you think, well, you know, I want shelter. I don't want to be cold. I want friendship. I want warmth. I want to know that I'm wanted in the world. That's a motivation for trying to offer those things to other people. So it goes to the very root of what it means to be a human being and what it means to be for each of us to be uniquely and differently and equally in the image of God.
0: That feels really resonant for me because we're. We're here in the three weeks, and we're getting closer to Tisha B'Av, which is, along with Yom Kippur, is the the, the most major of our fast days. And with Isaiah's words, you know, what, what kind of fast do you want? The, the, Tisha B'Av is abstract for many of us. We're We're fasting because of a temple that was destroyed 2,000 years ago, and it feels like that historical suffering the historical destruction of that temple has to be a reflection of all of the destruction that we see in our world whether that's environmental degradation or the suffering of of humanity wherever and whoever they are and so it feels in the same way that if our Yom Kippur fast is compelling us to to look deeper and to care more then Tisha B'Av certainly must those of us who do have the the practice of fasting on Tisha B'av, even if we don't relate to the particularity of the history of the destruction of the temple, that that fast must bring us a, a awareness of the of the intensity of the suffering in our world and the and the destruction of our world. So, um, I, I felt like that's
1: that's that's absolutely true. And the liturgy from the Book of Lamentations through the the poems from the Middle Ages is a liturgy about destruction and our world is full of destruction and it calls upon us to be mindful of what's being destroyed in our world. Countries are being destroyed, cities are being destroyed, homes are being destroyed. We've got a close relationship, not through me, but through members of the community with some of the Syrian families living living in the neighbourhood now. And one evening they showed a video they asked actually their children be taken out of the synagogue before they showed it they didn't want their children to see and this showed their own house being hit by a bomb and the, one of the big questions about Tisha B'Av is what does one redeem from destruction there's the tradition that it's a fast day but you don't say some of the the grimmest prayers because the Messiah is born on that day so the issue would be, what is there redemptive? What is there that we can do in against this background of destruction to redeem our own humanity and the humanity of other people? And that I think is a is 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 sadly a, a, a closely contemporary question. Mm.
0: Um, well, it's also so stirring that on that um, the afternoon of Tisha B'av, the Haftorah reading that we read also from isaiah is has the the line in it of, a, of a, a a prophetic view of redemption where the rebuilt jerusalem will be a house of prayer for all peoples and so this idea that there has to be some kind of reconciliation all of the things that tear us apart and force us to be hostile and uh, you know e- enemies of each other is like that's that's the that tisha B'av this day of the ultimate destruction is also the day of the ultimate hope of redemption
1: which that's beautifully said that's really beautifully said
0: so perhaps leaving, <laughs> leaving this conversation on a, on a more positive note and just feeling that even though we can't deny how, how grim the situation is for, for so many millions of people in our world right now I feel I take solace from the fact that you and and so many other people that I respect so deeply are doing are doing even if it seems like a little a lot and the more we can help create a movement of people who care then we can be those clouds of glory we can be that protective force for these people in small ways and hopefully in larger ways and also that we just our tradition even though it's hard at times does does demand that we we find seeds of, of, of hope, uh, even in the in the in the deepest destruction and despair.
1: Anything you would add as a as a sort no, of? I appreciate what you say. I think it's also important never to th- not to think that we can do nothing. That what we can do, we should do, and that's that's our beginning. Um, so that we are, we feel committed morally. And actively engaged in supporting just the hungry, the afraid, the lonely in our world. Mm. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I uh, look forward to, to seeing you next time. and Maybe next time we see each other, the world will be just a little bit closer to redemption. Amen. Amen. listening to a dash and rush we will see you next time